My name is Jeff, and I'm joined as always by my good buddies Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And then another good buddy from from many, many years, a gentleman that I know from our educational background and from being a fan of his uh, literary output. It's Frank Hade. How are you doing, Frank? Great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, before we jump into the topic, I would love for you to regale our audience with uh, uh, the type the types of books you books you have written and the one that you have m most lately written. Ah, uh, thanks for the opportunity to promote myself. I appreciate it. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, my first book, uh, well, my first real serious commercial book was uh, called "The Mafia and the Machine: The Story of the Kansas City Mob." And this is a hundred year history of organized crime and politics and they're, they're how they overlapped in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, that book led to another book, Italian Gardens, a history of Kansas City through its favorite restaurant. And um, Italian Gardens was an iconic place in Kansas City and it was sort of a microcosm of, of the city itself. So that was a really fun book to write. Uh, after that, I wrote a book uh, called Stan Levy, Jazz Heavyweight. Stan Levy was a well-known jazz drummer who helped develop bebop music with Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. But he was also a heavyweight boxer. So very interesting life. And that's a really fun biography, especially if you're into jazz. And then now I've just released my latest book, Mafia Dreams, a true crime saga of young men at the end of an era in Kansas City. So that's uh, that's the summary right there. Hey, that's pretty great. I, I got to enjoy the Mafia and the Machine and learn about the those two elements and how they shaped the, the city that we're both from, Kansas City. And that was incredibly educational, especially as somebody who learned about the mob from um, Godfather and all that stuff, yeah. but then to understand its precedent um, in, in the terms of the machine and how they got done got stuff done for better, for worse, for, for persons uh, who needed, needed stuff done. So I, and I am currently reading mafia dreams. So here, here it is on the Kindle. Nice. Uh, haven't, haven't gotten as far as I'd like to yet, but um, uh, well, uh, since you do have some uh, background in writing about uh, persons who are involved in the criminal world, uh, we thought it'd be fun to chat with you about your writing, but also to do it within the context of our show, which is a ranking of a top four. And this time around, we're going with top four real life, mob nicknames so uh michael and richard will be a team and they'll go up against uh our guest uh, author frank Hade, and we'll each kind of mention a mob nickname and maybe any kind of background you want to provide about the person who who sported that moniker so frank you, you're our guest so you will go first sir okay so uh, my first choice for the mount rushmore of mob nicknames is william willie the rat Camasano. Out of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, gotta go. So, gotta go hometown. You know. Yeah, you gotta go hometown right off the bat. Um, so I, there, there's three reasons I chose this name, and the the first is the irony of it. You know, as colorful as they are, mob nicknames are usually lacking in irony. Or, I mean, I, at least I think so. I mean, they're they're usually just so literal, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you take a guy like uh, Ice Pick Willie Alderman. I mean, you know right away how he got that name, right? <laughs> It's self-explanatory. <laughs> but Willie the Rat had this name that might seem like the, the most insulting 
nickname possible in the mob because in the mob a rat is a snitch or an informer or a cooperating witness uh, so in that world there's nothing worse than being called a rat and the only good rat is a dead rat so uh but the irony here is that william Camisano never ratted on anyone and he was exactly the type of stone cold gangster who would have rather chewed and swallowed handfuls of gravel than the snitch on even his worst enemy uh, who was likely to face a fate much worse than getting ratted on right Uh, so that brings us to the second reason why i chose willie the rat and that's the sheer scariness of it you know it's said that he got his nickname for disposing of his murder victims in the sewer system oh wow yeah so, you know, this might sound like urban myth, but I don't think anyone in law enforcement or anyone who knew William Camisano doubted it for a minute. Uh, if you read my new book, Mafia Dreams, you probably won't doubt it either because uh, it, it kind of delves into some of that. Uh, so it's a good chance to learn some more about that. Uh, but, you know, let's face it. I mean, that's some scary stuff, right? You're earning the nickname Willie the Rat because you kill people and stuff them in the sewers (laughs) now uh you know we've got to give uh, willie his chance his due uh, of course and um, give him a chance to give his take on things and uh, according to him uh his nickname was actually willie rats well willie rat it was willie rats and he got he said that he got the nickname because when he was just a boy living in the north end of kansas city back when you know that was a very poor crowded really basically you know uh ghetto environment a lot of his neighbors had rats and he had a rat terrier and so they would call on his services to come over with his dog to rid their property of rats and so that there go that's how he got the name willie rats according to him to him ah so you know that's when but, that's know, when like way, grammar, that's when grammar really comes into play because it could have just yeah, like right. Willie apostrophe s Willie's rats and it just opens up a whole new business that uh, he could have uh, trademarked and uh, gone into that if it's yeah. legitimate. Uh, or it could have been well, just sort of an exclamation, you know, rats, rats, ah, oh, rats. <laughs> uh, you know, and and he, he that was probably his first business. Like you know, Michael said, is just, he was a, he was a, quite the entrepreneur, as as most of these guys are, right? Uh-huh. Um, so he got started when he was really young. I mean, I, I kind of doubt he was providing that service for free. He was probably charging yeah. you know, a, a pretty penny to bring his dog over and kill all your rats. <laughs> um, so, I'm super excited. Know, but either way, whether he got the name, whether he, he got the name from his, his rat terrier or whether he got it later for killing people and stuffing them in the sewers, you know, either way, this nickname emphasizes the reality of the term underworld you know we tend to think uh not really take that term literally and and think of the underworld as a shadow economy or a shadow government and when we think about the mafia life we often think about glamorous things like fine restaurants or las vegas casinos or expensive clothes but willie the rat really reminds us that some elements of organized crime are conducted literally underground where the rats roam, you know, sewer Mm -hmm. systems, shallow graves, tunnels. Um, 
it might be glamorous in some way, but the life is also very grimy and gritty and guttural. Mm -hmm. And Willie's nickname really, I think, illustrates that side of the organized crime life. So again, my first choice for Mount Rushmore of nicknames would be Willie the Rat. That's awesome. That is awesome. I I'm excited about all these uh, that that choice and then ones to come. And I just I just I'm just curious to think if, if there's a nice moniker, you know, Jimmy, mm. kind eyes, Tomasano. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, well <laughs> I think there were some that were you know flattering, like handsome Johnny, you know, oh, okay. or something, <laughs> something like that. But uh, but no, I don't think any of these guys wanted. Uh, yeah. Touchy feely nicknames, that's for sure. <laughs> Good with you know, kids. I think, yeah. I think I think this Willie yeah. Willie the Rat thing, it has such like a like a uh, like an uh, a deep like Batman vibe to it, where like oh, yeah. some trauma or something that happened in his early life just led him to an entire rat based uh, lifestyle <laughs> that forever will dominate. Like, okay, he started out maybe just you know like uh, you know ratting with his dog, and then. Eventually, he gets older and involved in uh, uh, more lascivious uh, things. And then, of course, like on his mind, is like, well, I got to send him to the rats down in the sewer. <laughs> it's the only thing I know. I know I know it from a kid. And my yeah. parents are, you know, murdered in front of the, um, uh, the, the movie the theater. And, yeah. yeah. The cheese shop. <laughs> yeah. His creation myth was hung upon yeah. him, whether he liked oh, yeah. it or not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and you're you're actually kind of onto something there, Michael, uh, because you know he was uh, he was a real blue collar gangster. I think he made a lot of money, and he had a, a you know leadership position like in the upper echelon of the outfit. Um, and you know, there's pictures out there where he's wearing you know fancy duds, you know, like silk suit, you know, head to toe, looking sharp, right? But that wasn't he was he was known for for wearing like overalls and like a cheap trucker cap you know and driving an old beat up pickup around town and he had a bunch of uh junk in the back of his pickup you know antiques and stuff like that that he was collecting and i think he and he ran are you south. sure this, are you sure this isn't fred sanford <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to take that one up with willie the rat there yeah apparently I love that Willie the Rat sinking Louis the Fourteenth uh, armoire. Because... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Richard, why don't we jump into your choice, uh, if you don't mind, please? Yeah, my first choice, and 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 you know, I think it's kind of the op opposite in many ways of what Frank was talking about. This is a nickname for someone who is definitely more of a upper echelon sort of dresser and and someone who considered himself a purveyor of the finer things in life. Um, and a nickname versus the last one that is, and as Frank said, some of these nicknames are completely on the nose, which is why I love a lot of these nicknames. Um, in this case, it's Salvatore Avellano, Avellino, who uh, was a uh, capo with the uh, Lucchese crime family in New York, and his nickname was The Golfer. Huh. <laughs> you want to know why he got that nickname, Jeff? <laughs> To, uh, to 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 frighten anybody within earshot of uh, of the yes, potential menace of a guy with a nine, like, he will slice you up just like he slices a nine iron. <laughs> uh, I, I'm assuming ah. it's doing deadly business with uh, the tools of a golfer. Is it? 
No, it was just that he loved to golf. He oh. was a golfer. <laughs> like I said, Jeff, some of these nicknames are frighteningly on the nose. I mean, wow. I could go through a whole just the 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 list of of people whose nicknames are just he's the this he's a that yeah he's just you know there's not a lot of creativity with a lot of these nicknames okay you don't get a sense that they had a writing room yeah <laughs> working on what's the best nick this isn't the sopranos yeah. where they could sit down and come up with the most colorful wonderful nicknames for all of these people sometimes it's just like Hey Sal, he likes to golf. Yeah. Yeah, check out the golfer over here. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey's like, you know, cer he's certified notary public. <laughs> yeah, check out the notary <laughs> public over here. Hey. <laughs> okay. Did, there, uh, there was that scene in the Sopranos, you know, where the guy beat somebody half to death with the golf club. Uh, oh, you know. True. Yeah. <laughs> I love Yeah, it. and he, he was a uh Lucchese. He was a, a driver for a, a, a mob boss known as Anthony Cor Corallo, whose nickname was Tony Ducks. Yeah, oh, I love it. Which I don't know exactly how the Tony Ducks. Basically, it was just basically it came from uh, Lucchese, Lucchese being amazed at his ability to duck convictions. So once yeah. again, hey, Tony Ducks something. Next thing it you know, he's Tony Duck. It was. It wasn't. I don't know, Richard, limbo. you got to admit that's, it wasn't that's for his limbo creative. abilities. I, What's I, that, I Frank? think that one's pretty creative, Tony. Yeah, Jones. that one's more creative than the golfer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, um, uh, are we expecting too much from these gentlemen? <laughs> you know, creativity and and such. I don't know. We'll, we'll see as we move on to these uh, choices. Yeah. What are you saying, it's, Michael? It's kind of it's kind of like a, a situation out of like um, Anchorman when. Um, What's his name? The 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 kind of the slow meteorologist is just like I love lamp. Yeah. Just see what you say. Say what yeah. you see. You know, <laughs> just like that's yeah. good enough. We're good. We're gonna move on. Oh, what is he like? Uh, floor. Uh, yeah. There's a there's Tony Floor Bombino. Gotcha. All right. I I can't say that non-crime um, monikers are any better. I I was in San Francisco and there was a there was a shop a flooring shop and it was called Linoleum Larry's. So like, <laughs> there you go. That's what, that's what Larry sells. So that sounds like that old Letterman bit where he goes to the house. It's like the nothing but lampshades. Yeah, <laughs> and then he goes to the next, like across the street to nothing but lamps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Frank. Uh, it's now um, we want to thank you for the Im incredible amount of uh, uh, research and authenticity that may be going into yours because <laughs> I. If I know these guys, we just did a quick uh, Google search, and that's all I would I would do. But uh, well, I think it's Michael's turn, though, right? At, I think at this point we go to your second, and then we'll oh. ping pong. We go. Okay. So you get four, and they each get two ping pong oh. between them. So. Um, okay. So so Michael, what do you got? Uh, Michael or Frank? Frank? Sure. I, so I'm sorry. No, no, I, Frank, 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 Frank. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's see. Where are we here? I. I'm going to go with, uh, you know how in the mob there's lots of rules. Yeah. You know, like you uh, you can never fool around with another member's wife or girlfriend, and you can never talk to the cops, and no facial hair, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff, really. For a bunch of outlaws, these guys have, uh, you know, quite a few rules and a lot of discipline. And there was a lesser-known rule that uh, every family – 
every single family across the country had to have at least one guy named Fat Tony. So, you know, I'm kidding, of course, but um, I actually I actually uh, only know of three Fat Tonys. And there's the one from New York, the one from Kansas City and the one from Springfield. So, um, you know, the first of those Fat Tonys is Fat Tony Salerno. And there's a, a rule amongst mob historians and writers that you have to refer to Fat Tony Salerno as cigar chomping. Uh, you know, you have to describe <laughs> him as the cigar chomping boss of the Genovese family or the cigar chomping labor racketeer or the cigar chomping Rico defendant or whatever it is. Um, so you have to be careful not to confuse the cigar chomping fat Tony Salerno with Carmine the Cigar Galante or Nicky Cigars Santora. <laughs> or Nicky Cigars Marangello, or Bobby the Cigar De Luca, or Americo the Cigar Petrillo, or, you know, you get the point. But back to Fat Tony, you know, there was uh, another cigar-chomping Fat Tony out of Kansas City named Fat Tony Gizzo. And he looked pretty similar to Fat Tony Salerno, but he didn't seem as deadly serious as Fat Tony Salerno did. He seemed more like a fun-loving jolly good fellow who was very sociable and even approachable and one thing i like about fat tony gizzo is that when he testified in front of the kefauver committee they asked him if it was true that he carried around a lot of money in his pocket and he said do you want to see it and he whipped out this giant roll of bills and started peeling off hundred dollar bills counting out 100 200 300 and so this was in front of a room full of senators and congressmen and people who were interested in cracking down on organized crime back in the fifties. And so that caused a real ruckus and, uh, you know, just kind of typified the mob life in a lot of ways. And fat Tony Gizzo just seemed to not have a care in the world while he was being grilled by these senators and congressmen and counting out his bankroll for him. So, uh, his, his, his big mistake was when they asked him to, uh, whip out a, a notarized, uh, documentation uh d detailing the entire list of and who was in the mafia it's like oh here you want, you want this? i got it right here right uh, again some intuitively you're on to something michael because they did ask him about the mafia and of course everybody else who was testifying just clammed up and i don't know oh what you're goodness. talking about but gizzo actually kind of slipped up and and admitted uh to the existence <laughs> and he later tried to backpedal and it was pretty awkward <laughs> there for for a little oh, while boy. and my things might have got pretty hot for him i don't know but ask him about uh, aliens fat tony, uh, fat tony <laughs> from springfield and he just goes to show you that fat tony has to be one of the most quintessential mob nicknames ever <laughs> because if it wasn't the guys who created the simpsons would have chosen a different nickname for the springfield mob boss but they mm -hmm. didn't because they knew that the american public would want or even expect a cartoon mafia boss to be named fat tony because even though every mob family doesn't really have at least one guy named Fat Tony, it definitely seems like they do. Yeah. Or at least like they should. Yeah. Yeah. Is a does lots of cardio Fat Tony, Tony, I'm sure. Like, like very trim, trim Tony. Used to be Fat Tony, but now lost some weight. What happens if Fat Tony goes on a diet? <laughs> you can no longer, is he still Fat Tony? Or is he oh, no, Pe Peloton Tony doesn't Tony. sound as good. I don't think. <laughs> Hey, are we? Are we do we have a do we have a certified Italian in in Richard? Uh, yes, you do. Well, a quarter okay. Italian, a quarter Italian, but my last name will will 
lead you to believe otherwise. Okay, all right. And I I know, you know, the the mafia isn't isn't only Italian, especially in your book Frank the Mafia and the Machine, it was uh as a person with Irish heritage, it was kind of interesting to to learn how much uh uh how much diversity was in yeah. <laughs> employment within the machine for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, uh, there's the 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 mafia which was the Italian Italian organization, but if you think of it as syndicated crime or the syndicate, mm -hmm. you know, the real true network that spanned the, the country and was involved in so many different things, you know, then, yeah, it's absolutely Irishman galore. A lot of Jewish uh, gangsters mm -hmm. working right alongside their their Italian counterparts, um, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, Michael, what is your choice? Um, Richard kind of alluded to this earlier. Um, and I really like the idea of it, at least in uh, relation to, to this gentleman, um, Donald, uh, the Wizard of Odds, Angelini, who was, um, he feels like his nickname was just like workshop down in San Diego, <laughs> that like they, he went into the writer's room and they're like, what are we going to call you? Is it going to be chips? Is it going to be uh, something to do with uh, extra points or shaving points? And it's like, you know what? The Wizard of Odds, and it's a long nickname, and it's ridiculous, and it tells you exactly what it is, and it's kind of cheeky. It's kind of fun. It's kind of just like, I don't know. Oh, what a what a fun nickname. Nobody probably ever really called him that. It was probably like a newspaper nickname or something. Yeah. But um, so this guy, this uh, Donald Angelini, uh, worked with um, like the Chicago Mafia, and he helped. Um, I guess he was a capo for their uh, kind of um, their uh, wagering and racketeering and gambling app operations there. And um, uh, I don't have too much information about him. I just love the nickname. I, you know, it, it fits right into what he does as his, um, his kind of, you know, uh, illegal operations lifestyle. If, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I haven't seen a bunch you know, there's a bunch like you mentioned, like ice pick, whatever, or the guy that beats the guy with a, the 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 nine iron. But like, to be so specific about what it is your actual job within the uh, the organization, I th I think I find pretty interesting. You know, we don't have like a podcast nicknames. It's not like it's Richard, uh, the Mike. <laughs> you got the Mike. Mike. Mike Manfred. Well, it would be Michael the Mike Manfred. Yeah, I thought you were saying that'd be you. Yeah. If I had to give Richard a nickname, it would be there you go. it would be Deadpan. Deadpan. You, Richard, you have one of the very best deadpans <laughs> in the business. So you can I hang that nickname on you right now, Deadpan? I appreciate that. I'll take it. Well, we are at our yeah. halftime. And at this point, I just want to uh ask uh Frank to remind folks out there. Where they could get his latest book. You can order it online. Where can you get it? Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, so Mafia Dreams by Frank Hayde is available on Amazon. Uh, but if you want to do a solid for an independent author, um, not just me, but all independent authors, you know, you can go to Book Baby, Book Baby Bookshop, the Book Baby Bookshop, and then just Google Mafia Dreams within or search for Mafia Dreams within the Book Baby Bookshop. And I'm able to keep twice as much money that way. Uh, and it co doesn't cost you a dime more than it would on Amazon. So thank you. And I think that's how I got mine. And I was able to, um, you can basically e email it to yourself, to your Kindle address. And then you have it in your Kindle, just like you would if you got it through 
Amazon. So you're supporting independent authors. You're supporting Frank. You're helping write his next book by supporting this book. I would also say, uh, you know, since you can probably click on your name on Amazon or elsewhere and find the other books, I did have the Italian Gardens book also. And as a kid who, you know, went to like a homecoming dinner there, it was so uh, cool to kind of get steeped, get educated about the history that came before, you know, the, you know, the eighties when I, I ate there and to know how much of a cultural centerpiece it is for that city that I grew up in. So that was, what, what was it like to work with the family uh, and write that book, Frank? Well, uh, it was great. You know, it was just such a positive experience because that represents the 99% of the Italian American community in Kansas city. That's all positive, you know, that just, I'm talking about sports and arts and culture and business and entrepreneurship and religion and family and traditions and food and all that stuff, the real stuff, uh, you know, of, of the Italian American experience, but the mafia just being an outlier, right. Which is why we're interested in it. Cause it's unusual. It's different. But, um, but that really go, goes into all that good stuff. And Carl DeCapo, who was really the institution kind of a living legend in Casey, he just died earlier this year. God rest his soul, 90, 95 years old when he finally passed. And uh, they're going to be honoring his life uh, this coming Sunday at the Royals game, the last, last game of the season before the game. So, you know, it was a real honor for me, honestly, to do that, uh, to, to be hired by them, by that family to, to work on that book. And my family had been going to Italian Gardens since it opened back in the 20s. Um, so I felt a connection to all that. And... Um, it was it was really great to help keep those stories alive. That's cool. All right. So uh, the next name will be our next story that we tell. So, Frank, you're now on your third uh, name. Okay. So what do you got? OK, so for my third, um, I have uh, a very well-known gangster out of New York, the boss of the Genovese family, Vincent Gigante. The chin. So. Yeah, you'll notice I left his nickname out because all I had to do was point. To <laughs> yeah. my and that's why it was such a great nickname, because it had this tactical purpose. Uh, well, first, I guess we should talk about how he got it. Two different uh, schools of thought on that. You know, some people say that it came from when he was just a boy and his his mom would shout for him out in the neighborhood to come inside. She's like, Vincenzo, Vincenzo. And so the chin got abbreviated wow. to chin and his and his buddies his boyhood pals started calling him chin and then the chin but he was also a boxer he was a pretty good heavyweight boxer um and you know you take one on the chin or you got a good chin uh, that's what they say about boxers if they can you know take a punch uh, really well that they have a good chin and he did have a good chin so he might have got his nickname that way uh, but it was such a great nickname because it had this tactical purpose whereas his guys were ordered you would never you could never speak the man's name if you were conversing with somebody else and you had to enter you know him into the conversation to say that okay he gave the order or it's okay with him or whatever you just point to your chin yeah. you, that uh, way you could never say his name and his name was rarely ever captured on any wiretaps or anything like that because these guys would all they would just point to their chins oh that's cool that's awesome I uh, I almost had him on on my list, but for a different nickname. Oh, yeah, I almost I almost had him I on there as, as the Odd Father. Yeah, well, because, good, because good one. He, and I'll just 
say you, you just ahead. took my fourth. Uh, my fourth oh, okay. was that. All right, stepping all over people's toes as <laughs> as per tradition. So I will I will back off on the uh, explanation. No, no, you, you go, you go, please. Oh, sure. So he was a uh, he basically feigned insanity for about twelve years hmm. to try and try and build a defense against uh, having to go to prison. He would wander around New York in his bathrobe, mumbling to himself. And this was his attempt to try and build an ins insanity plea that, well, you can't send him to jail. Look at him. He's a, he's a, a crazy old man. And of course, later on, he finally, after he was arrested and convicted, admitted, yeah, he, this was all an act. So the odd father nickname comes, comes from that, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Is it, Frank, is that your story also? Well, yeah, that was going to be my fourth. See, I was going to kind of throw this twist in there by Love it. having two of my choices come refer back to the same guy because oh, he had the chin and he had the odd father and they're both such great nicknames. And Richard just pretty much summarized it. You know, you'd, you'd see him walking around Greenwich Village, honestly, like drooling on the sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, he really played this act up. Um but my favorite story about the odd father, I mean, just what a great nickname. You know, I don't think he coined it himself, of course, but whoever did, I think it was probably the New York Post because they were always giving guys nicknames like that. And um, I think they called him the odd father. But uh, my favorite story about the odd father, the FBI shows up at his house one day to serve a search warrant. They find him in the shower with an umbrella. <laughs> I mean, you That's can't make awesome. that up right I mean, <laughs> you know my That's wife sometimes awesome. wears like a, a hair thing when she doesn't want to wash her hair <laughs> That's right. exactly but she still wants to take a shower so uh, it's not that odd that's how I got out of uh, jury duty the last time they called me. <laughs> so, uh, Richard, did you actually say your choice, your third? No, one? I didn't. Okay. I did not okay. say my third choice. Okay. I will. I will be brief on this one. Okay. Uh, it is Thomas Bellotti, and his nickname was Tommy the Toupee. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> which is an example of one of those nicknames that I don't think you say somebody's face. Yeah. In fact, he was very. It was very well known that he did not like the nickname and you did not use that nickname around him. So it was something that was really, it was picked up on in wiretaps with other gangsters talking to their compatriots um, about Tommy oh. the toupee. But it was not something that anyone said to him. And again, another on the nose nickname. <laughs> Just the man had one of those like, you know, like uh, George Costanza when he got the toupee. Yeah. Oh, sure. Looking things where it's like the, the color is not quite right and it kind of sticks out at the edges a little bit. <laughs> and everyone's supposed to pretend that he doesn't have a toupee, <laughs> but everyone knows that he's got a really bad rug on. And I, I think it just goes to show that not all nicknames are nicknames of respect. And the mob is really, you know, when you think of the mob, you think of respect and 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 showing deference to your to to, to the people around you. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case, especially with some of these nicknames. And you know, calling a a mob boss the toupee kind of goes to show that there is a lot of, you know, 
irony and 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 kind of backstabbing with yeah, these nicknames yeah. kind of taking place. That is he was to hear it that it would be picked up by uh FBI guys listening on the over a wire or something like that. That's that's interesting to 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 kind of observe how much mob culture uh was transmitted through the persons themselves but also th through being overheard or listened listened to un unsuspectingly by themselves. So you're sorry, sure. were you going to say he was what? I was just going to say he was uh just to give a little background on him, he was one of the underbosses of the Gambino crime family and he was actually assassinated in the uh murder of Paul Castellano who was the Gambino boss that John Gotti knocked off to basically become the new boss of mm -hmm. the Gambino crime family. So he, there's some historical significance to him as well as just having a bad toupee. Okay. All right. So Michael's about to list the last one. But before we do that, Frank, were there any runners up or any uh, nicknames that, that you have uh, you know, considered but, you know, thought that you might not go with? Uh, not really. You know, okay. I, I after I came up with with my four, which was really only three because two of them applied to the same guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of stopped uh, thinking about it. But there are uh, there are some really good ones. There are some just terrific ones out there. You run across them every now and then. And uh, I hadn't thought about the Wizard of Odds in a long, <laughs> long time. And I, if I would have Googled Mafia nicknames, I'm not even sure that one would have come up. I think Michael probably had to dig a little deeper for that one. But Oh, interesting. Um, I do want to thank him for mentioning that because the Wizards of Odds brings to mind the Wizard of Oz, which brings to mind Kansas, which brings yeah. to mind Kansas City, which yeah. brings to mind my new books, which are available now. <laughs> plug away, plug there away. There we go. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. So we'll get one last plug after uh, we reveal uh, the winners, and but not uh, before we have Michael tell us their last choice. Uh, our last choice is Thomas. Tommy Karate Patera, who was a, uh, uh, a drug trafficker and hitman or murderer for the uh, Bonanno crime family. And um, he uh, apparently uh, was made fun of a bunch when he was a kid for having a really high voice and started getting interested in um, martial arts as well as having kind of an affinity for um, uh, the Green Hornet and Bruce Lee. And so when he was like a younger man, he kind of got into martial arts and learned karate and kind of um, really delved into uh, kind of like an, uh, uh, an Eastern kind of philosophy and teachings and martial arts and uh, really studying that sort of stuff. And then he'd use it to, you know, possibly hurt people and maybe kill people. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, the name Tommy Karate is just so good. I love it because it has a little bit of rhyming to it. I love it because uh, uh, it kind of really speaks to something so personal, it seems like, with him that, um, oh, you, well, you, also, you don't want to mess with Tommy Karate. Well, why? Well, he knows karate. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? The guy knows karate. It's in his nickname. Um, I, I think one of the most interesting things about, like, looking at, kind of researching a little bit and reading about different nicknames is how some of them are so funny or you know, somebody no-nos or whatever they have. And then, but they're all like these horrible, tremendously horrible people that have committed murders or uh, larcenies and uh, other just like the lifestyle choices that they've made. Um, 
are, are just like horrendous compared to like, oh, well, they got a silly nickname. And so it's right. a strange like dichotomy of just like this, uh, the person you've chosen to be, and yet also, uh, yeah, let's make fun of him because he wears a toupee. Yeah. So, it's so <laughs> odd. And Tommy Karate, like, oh, Tommy Karate could have been this kid that I knew. Oh, yeah, Tommy Karate. He was really good at karate when he was like, you know, 13 or eight or whatever. But then when he's like this guy that's like locked up, you know, he's has serving a life sentence uh, in prison, it kind of loses its luster a little bit. It definitely loses its sense of like mirth. And yeah, it's like, okay, right. well, is he still applying those things? choke holds and leg sweeps and yeah is he make is he making like uh you know toilet wine nunchucks or whatever <laughs> like in the joint and like killing people that way i don't know it, it makes me a little depressed you know i, I heard what he's doing uh, he's still in prison and he's he's actually uh painting and selling oh. some of his paintings and, wow johnny yeah, he's managed to Whoa. he's managed Tom, to sell some original works of art um is that right yeah I wonder if it's a, I mean, it's of a Japanese um, orientation. I wonder if it's a you lot of... You cannot underestimate how, uh, you know, serious, how heavy of a guy he was. I mean, he, he could make people's blood run cold when he walked in the room or even if just by bringing up his name. Mm. Uh, and Willie the Rat was the same way. I mean, Kansas City, I mean, you, that, that was a name that could literally just stop you in your tracks. And yeah, these, this, I, you know, I appreciate what you said, Michael, because it is important dimension you know that we this case you know there's a humorous side to all this but it's definitely um we're talking about some really really bad dudes and maybe if there was a runner-up now that i think about it that might be greg the grim reaper scarpa because <laughs> um that's kind of basically what what this all comes down to what we're dealing with here the oh, grim reaper that sounds much more real than yeah yeah, <laughs> I've got two two points before we wrap up. One yeah. of them specifically about Tommy Karate, which is it's a good thing that he got into something like karate and not Taekwondo or Tommy Tommy Taekwondo. Just does not. <laughs> there's the alliteration, but it just doesn't roll off the tongue quite yeah. as well. Tommy and then the Tommy, bigger... Tommy Tai Chi. You're like I, I don't know. <laughs> he seems he's pretty, pretty calm. slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Capoeira, yeah. Capoeira. <laughs> um, and the second one is just a general. Do you think that if you're a mobster and you don't have a nickname, you're disappointed? Oh yeah. Like, do you wind up like trying to like give yourself a nickname, and the your underlings are like, "Yeah, I'm just not feeling it, boss." Mm. There's yeah. like there's there's a like a Billy Bolisario out there who's always eating beans and no one is picking up on it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like he's just begging. He's like, uh, oh, there's there's Paul. He's oh, what's what's he, what's what's Paul doing? Oh, what's he doing with that ping pong paddle? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't it's matter. Not matter. <laughs> I not wear present. an ornate. I I wear a daffodil in my collar every day wherever I go, <laughs> but nobody. <laughs> Gives me the nickname Daffodil. Okay, dudes, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Um, uh, Frank, before we do the official rating, uh, so list off, uh, you said Book Baby? Yeah, the Book Baby Bookshop. Okay. Book Baby Bookshop, and then just search for Mafia Dreams, and it's just another couple of clicks away. Super easy. That's Mafia Dreams, a true crime saga of young men at the end of an era in Kansas City. 
Okay. We will remember to link it uh, when we put up the show notes. I, I know I can do it up on YouTube for sure. Uh, but now it's the judgment time. Uh, they call me Jeff the, the Disappointer Hopkins, <laughs> especially when Michael and Richard try to go up uh, next to such a um, uh, well-researched and funny guy as Frank Hayde. So we're going to go with Willie the Rat Camisano, Fat Tony Gizzo, um, not the cigar chomping fat Tony Slam. Uh, Vincent the Chin Higante. And I'm scooping around. I'm scooping around to go with Greg the Grim Reaper. What was his last name? Scarpa. Scarpa. Greg the Grim Reaper Scarpa. Look uh, him because... up. You'll learn, you'll learn a lot uh, there. You know. Yeah. Okay. He's the guy that went down to the south. The FBI actually uh, hired him to go down south during the uh, uh, civil rights movement back in the early 60s when some northern activists disappeared in the south fbi actually hired greg scarpa to go down there and stick a gun in a guy's mouth and to obtain a confession oh wow yeah oh wow <laughs> playing both sides sounds like and there's a lot more to the greg scarpa story if you want to read some fascinating stuff that you you know you can't put down yeah go for Greg. Cool. Scarpa. I, I will check that out so thanks very much, uh, Richard and Michael. But of course, thanks uh, to our uh, uh, guest author, Frank Hayde, of, of multiple books. There's, uh, um, uh, I have read the Italian Gardens book, The Mafia and the Machine, and now I'm reading Mafia Dreams. But of course, there's the other book uh, about the jazz uh, player and slash boxer. What was that again? Stan Levy, Jazz Heavyweight. Cool. Cool, cool. So thanks so much, Frank. Um, this has been the Mount Rushmore of mob nicknames. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael the Mike Winfield. <laughs>